0: Well, welcome back, watch people. Now, the last time I had my YouTube channel up and running was back in 2016, and one of the most popular videos that I made back then was the video that spoke about um, the robberies that I'd experienced and uh, had, had taken place um, both at and outside my former store, um, the shop that I had in East Grinstead in West Sussex. Um, The first one that we had was in 2012, the second one was in 2013 and the last one we had was in 2014. Um, There has actually been an incident since then but um, that's not one that I can discuss. Um, but um, let's go back to uh, today, at least for this video. We're going to go back to um, February 2012, and I'm going to take you through what was probably, apart from family bereavement, was probably the worst experience of my life. Now, as a decent, regular, ordinary working-class human being, um, at the at the end of the day, you know, like just like most of you guys, you get up in the morning and you go to work, um, and you you go to support yourself to to better your lives and to better the lives of those that you love and your family um, and that is what I did exactly on I think it was February the 10th if my memory serves me correctly 2012 that's exactly what I did that morning um, I left home um, went to work opened up the shop uh, and it so happened uh, that that day the um, person that was under my employment um, was actually in India on holiday. And the shop hadn't actually been opened for that long, maybe a year or just under a year. Uh, And I thought, well, it's only a few days. Um, I'll manage on my own and um, basically I'll just crack on and uh, get on with the job. So uh, that's exactly what I did. Um, And that uh, particular morning, I think about 11 or 11.30 in the morning, um, one of my children actually came to the shop to uh, drop something off for me. And... um, They came into the shop and we stood by the counter. Uh, They were one side of the counter and I was the other. Um, And um, the first that uh, I knew that something was taking place was this massive, and when I say massive, the shop was quite small and the noise obviously echoed from within as well. This massive boom, Um, and what that boom was, uh, it was the sort of boom that made you um, drop your knees, that sort of boom. Um, and what that was, was uh, two guys at the front of the shop, uh, one with an axe and one with a sledgehammer, um, who were hammering away at the window to try and get through to the stock that was in the window. Now, in, they they pulled up on motorbikes. There was two motorbikes, um, two riders and two pillion passengers. So four men in total, all dressed in dark clothes with, with crash helmets on. Now the window that I had installed in the shop was made out of polycarbonate and for those of you that don't know what polycarbonate is it's a bit like Perspex but it's much more resilient to impact. It's very very difficult to break and it's flexible um, and its flexibility is actually part of its strength and the more that these guys hit this window the more it buckled and bowed it, it wouldn't give in. And in fact, after they left, I had an axe mark about sort of four inches long, uh, deeply embedded into the uh, into the polycarbonate, which remained there um, for the entire period until I ended up um, selling the business. So that was really the first um, sign, uh, the first alert that something was going on. Um, And I looked up and I instantly, instantly knew what was happening. It, It didn't take any working out. It was instantly, I was instantly aware of what was taking place and my, my first thought was to get my child from the front of the counter um, round behind the counter uh, where I was and uh, into a safer position because by now the guys having realized that they weren't getting through the window instead of giving up um, they started to hammer away at the front door which unfortunately gave in under the impact um, and uh, Before we knew where he was, we had these two guys in the shop um, directly in front of us. Now, you've got to bear in mind, there is so much happening in such a very short period of time here. um, And in the split seconds that we had available to us, um, I'd ushered my child into um, what I called the safe room. And it wasn't exactly a safe room as you might think. All it was was a, a very small area. Um, that we'd put a door on and um, the safes for the business were inside this little room i pushed my child into that room um and sort of shut the door behind them and then i moved back out to to see what was going on and i looked over the counter and as i looked over the counter um one of the guys that had, had come in um took a swing at me with an axe and when i say an axe i'm talking a full full-handled axe and the sort of the type of axe that you'd use to chop down a tree i was lucky enough to avoid the blow i sort of leant backwards and uh, this axe went past me um, through a cctv camera and into um, the wall that was uh, behind the camera so there's no question there's no doubt in my mind that had that blow had that blow struck me um, and it was aimed at my head There's no question in my mind that that would have been potentially a fatal wound, a fatal blow. Um, And at that stage, uh, there's an argument for saying that uh, this was an attempted murder at that particular point. Now, meanwhile, his accomplice, whilst um, this guy was keeping me at bay um, because I was prepared to defend myself, the life of myself and the life of my child. um, I was prepared to fight back. I had no real option. Um, and um, I was making it uh, known that I was going to um, defend myself. The other guy was meanwhile was busy um, in the he would sort of gone around the back of the display, and he was filling up his bag with watches out of the window, out of my my display. Now bearing in mind that what he was taking from me potentially, what he was robbing out of my window, was my life's work, um, and. Um, both my parents, bless them, who have, had, had were was both had died sadly before this incident. Um, their life's work as well. Um, it was an entire uh, our family history, if you like, our family's um, wealth was in this shop window, <clears throat> and um, I I had to defend it. I had no choice other than to defend. Not only that, more importantly. My own life and the life of my child that was just no more than a couple of yards um, in front of this, this, this particular guy um, wielding an axe. There were other weapons there, I'm sure. I didn't see any, but um, I, I thought I caught a glimpse of uh, a, a long knife. It, it was a, a very, very uh, nasty situation and one that um, I didn't really have much chance to think about or to consider um, it was sheer panic everything that we owned um, was disappearing before my very eyes um, and I knew that they knew that the safes were out the back because when I'd opened the door they'd clearly seen the safes out the back and of course my number one fear my number one fear was that they were going to finish with the shop window and then proceed out the back um, where my child was and that just wasn't going to happen all the time that i was alive and it's at that point where i made a conscious decision to defend both this my my own life and the life of my child by using a weapon to um put off the the guys that were in front of me from coming any further and um, that's really all i can say i think probably probably it's all it's wise to say um for reasons that uh, will become aware later um that will be made clearer later i should say um I defended myself and um, we basically got rid of the guys out of the shop um, fairly quickly. Um, They went. um, My watches were strewn all down the high street on the floor. Um, Honest members of the public were walking back into the shop with, you know, damaged watches in their hand where they'd sort of hit the floor and had, had scraped along the floor when they'd been dropped etc um, and the remnants of what was left and what they they dropped people were bringing back into the shop and um, the smoke cloak had gone off the alarm had gone off I mean it was a, a sheer a, a scene of sheer chaos and, and panic and um, the police had obviously been called uh, they took um, from memory it was just over an hour to arrive um, by which time, of course, any chance of, of catching these individuals anywhere remotely near to the scene had completely gone. Um, that opportunity was missed and had disappeared. And, um, yeah, it was a pretty hideous all-round situation. But uh, if you think that was the, uh, the bad news of the day, um, think again, because that was actually only the start of the nightmare on that day back in February 2012. So over an hour after we've been uh, badly robbed, um, in my honest opinion, uh, an attempted murder, I can't see that there's any other way that you could describe it. Um, and uh, having had you know lots of goods stolen, etc., and just a general very nasty and uh, not a nice experience, the police eventually turned up. Um, I have to say, to be honest with you, that uh, their attitude right from the off was um, surprising. Uh, they seemed, you know quite laid back about this but then again I suppose to be fair to them they're used to seeing crime on a daily basis this is not um, a new experience for them having said that the town in which this took place is a sleepy um, leafy suburb um, in West Sussex nothing really much takes place there You know, it's the sort of town that if someone's got a sideboard for sale, you know, they hold the front page of the local newspaper there. There's not much going on. Um, So you would have thought that the police there would have been pleased to have got something serious, to have got their teeth um, well and truly stuck into. But um, it certainly wasn't the case. So they basically, they took me to one side. They interviewed me um, and um, they said, um, did we have the incident on CCTV? which we did. um, And I gave them the CCTV. I set it all up for them them to review. And uh, we actually went next door in a restaurant. I went next door in a restaurant with a detective um, for half a pint of beer uh, to calm me down a little bit whilst they interviewed me. And it was during that interview that really perhaps giving the benefit of hindsight and bearing in mind that this, a man, a full grown man in his mid fifties, I've never had any contact with the police, never. I mean, I don't even remember asking a police officer for the time or for directions. I've never come into contact with anyone from the police force. And um, my perception, like most other people in the UK, is that um, our police force is among, if not the best in the world. Um, And that is um, an idea that I had in my mind at the time. Um, Totally trusting of them, totally... Um, gave them everything they could possibly want, um, had no qualms about um, putting my faith in their ability to catch these people and their belief and integrity and honesty. So um, little did I know what was to follow. So as I say, during that interview... I really should have picked up on the uh, the first signs that something wasn't quite as it should be. Um, detectives were coming back out from my shop into the restaurant and sort of speaking to the detective that was interviewing me, um, almost like whispering to them um, bits and pieces. And at the time, I was in a state of shock. I didn't really think too much about it. Um, but um, anyway, the interview came to a conclusion. At that stage, I was invited back to the police station um, so we got back to the police station and I went for a second interview and went through the entire story again. Um, and it was then that the bombshell was dropped on me that the police had had a chance to review the CCTV of the robbery and that I had been seen um, brandishing what their expression brandishing a weapon um, during the robbery. Um, and in fact, I was now under arrest. Um, and was going to be, uh, questioned with regards to my use of a weapon in self-defense. Now, at that stage, the police seem to have lost all and any interest in the perpetrators that day. They seem to have lost any inclination to, um, catch these guys. In fact, I remember saying to them, look, you're questioning me. These people are still out there. You know, shouldn't you be looking for them? Um... <laughs> And boy, oh boy, did I underestimate the police and uh, their real motives, in my opinion, in many instances. Um, so this is not just about a watch thief's story. This is a story about our police force in the United, our police forces in the United Kingdom, and probably in other countries in the world. But if you, like me, are just an innocent regular guy that uh, has never been in any problems with the police, never had any contact with them, never been in any trouble with the police, I'm afraid you're going to learn a very hard lesson today. So. I'm now in a room. I'm now locked in a room with uh, two police officers who are questioning me about my use of a weapon um, during the robbery. Now, I would like to add at this point, and I need to stress that no one was hurt. There was not a drop of blood spilt. No one was hurt. um, And that's an actual fact. Um, So, you know, I need to make that very clear. I hadn't hurt anyone because if I had hurt someone then I would kind of understand their their uh, their their line of questioning Um, what I'd actually done is I'd actually um, made a threat towards these people and um, that was enough for the uh, police to arrest me uh, and to um, question me further about it it didn't seem to matter that someone had thrown an axe at my head or took a swing at my head with an axe it didn't seem to matter to them that um, one of my children was a yard or two behind me, um, and I was their last line of defence. Potentially, um, that didn't really seem to come into their their line of thought or their their line of question at all. What they was interested in is what was I doing, daring to defend my life? Um, and you know, I I couldn't believe it. Uh, at that stage, I was um, as I say, I was arrested. My rights were read, something I'd only ever seen on the TV b- before. Um, I was. Um, All my clothes were taken from me, Um, I was put in a blue tracksuit, like a prison tracksuit, my DNA was taken, uh, my hair was taken, my mouth was swabbed, um, and I was left in a cell for about six hours um, before some further questioning took place. Uh, I think another couple of hours uh, went by. Um, and by now I was getting quite panicky. I was worried about, more than anything, I was worried about the reaction of my wife and my children. Um, And the police officers in the station kind of knew that I was quite distressed and um, whilst they were paying me the lip service of pretending that they were concerned for me and upset for me and very apologetic about having to make the arrest, I found out something later on which kind of flew in the face of that belief but there was one police officer a a sergeant that uh, came into my cell after I'd been in there for about three hours and he opened the door and he said to me he winked at me and he said do you want me to leave this door open mate and I said I really appreciate that I said I'm feeling so claustrophobic you know this this isn't for me this sort of nonsense and he said I'll leave it open. And he went to turn around and walk out. And he looked at me and he went, I've just got to tell you something. This ain't the police force that I joined 20 odd years ago. He said, I'm due to retire soon. he said, you don't belong in this cell. Um, And you don't know what that meant to me. At that particular stage, at that particular point of that day, um, they were probably the most comforting words I'd ever heard, probably in my life. Because... I'm one of the I'm, I'm one of life's good guys I spend my life trying to help people um, and I thought the police were the same uh, and to find myself accused of 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 a crime um, that could have potentially sent me to prison was just mind-boggling I mean at this stage the robbery was almost secondary to my concern the robbery had almost been forgotten because uh that wasn't now my major concern. My major concern was, was I potentially in the future going to lose my freedom? So, I don't know how long I was actually in the police station for. And I remember getting out sort of the early hours of the morning and um, being picked up from outside the police station and was a, a an emotional wreck, really. The shop was absolutely um, in a mess. they they hammered the place to pieces. They'd smashed all the displays. They'd stolen a lot of stock, um, there was a lot of watches there that would need to be fully inspected again to make sure that even what was left was in a saleable condition or it, and if they weren't what sort of uh, repairs were going to be uh, required um, and on top of that of course I'd spent uh, the rest of the day and most of the night um, in a police station and in, in a cell so you can imagine the aftermath of that event and you can imagine what it was like for me and for my family particularly again I say particularly for my wife and my children who I think it was probably even more difficult for um to watch me suffer the way I suffered contact with the police over the next few weeks was really very minimum I was released on bail pending further investigations um which kind of felt like a death sentence um you know an innocent man who is released on bail, pending further investigations, potentially with a charge that could send you to prison. Um, imagine living with that. Um, and now I live with that for I think it was nearly six months. Nearly six months I lived with that threat, and um, I finally got a phone call from the police officer um, in charge of the investigation, who insisted all the way that he didn't want to charge me. He didn't want to. Um, he didn't want to prosecute me he didn't want to do this to me they insisted all the way that they had sympathy with me um, but ultimately it was the crown prosecution that decided that there will be no further action it was the crown prosecution that quite rightly and admirably decided that my actions were strictly in self-defense and it certainly wouldn't have been in the public interest to have prosecuted me. Um, and the local business people in the area and, and the community in East Grinstead were up in arms about this at the time. I mean, it was in the local paper. Um, everyone in the town knew about it. Um, the local councillors had spoken to the local MP. I mean, people were angry that um, this well known and, and I like to think respected businessman in the area had been brutally attacked by um, outsiders from out of town. And really the police's only line of investigation was to uh, arrest and uh, investigate the uh, the victim. Now it was some time after that that uh, I had quite a senior police officer from the Met, which is a different police force to Sussex Police, um, came into my shop as a customer um, and, you know, naturally we got talking on this subject and uh, he opened my eyes on a number of topics. Um, that I found mind-blowing, I found quite unbelievable, but were really summed up by the police's action before um, the charges were dropped by the Crown Prosecution Service. And I explained to him what happened, and I said I couldn't understand the willingness of the police involved to um, follow up the investigation with myself. And he said to me, Paul, you've got to understand something. He said, as police officers, we are not paid to decide whether you are guilty or innocent our job is not to decide on your fate our job is not to decide if you are guilty or innocent of a crime that is for the courts he said our job is to nick people our job is to tick boxes our job is to fulfill quotas and if you are you know if you're up in front of us and we've got the chance to to make an arrest and to potentially further our career to potentially um, tick a box, to um, help our crime stat figures, etc. Unfortunately for you, if you're in the way, we won't stop. And I just found that a devastating piece of news. I found it absolutely devastating that the police, I think the thing that upset me more than anything was when he said, we're not really concerned with your guilt or innocence. Even to this day, when I hear those words in my mind, I can't get my head around it. I really can't get my head around it because I always thought that being a police officer was a vocation, that you believed in right and wrong and that you believed in putting the bad guys away and looking after the good people in this world. What he was telling me was is that the police have no real interest in good and bad. They have interest in prosecutions. They have interest in furthering their careers. Your guilt or innocence is of no real interest to them. If you end up going to prison... Um, for a crime that you didn't do um, as far as they're concerned that will be the fault of the court and the jury and I just don't understand that I just don't understand that at all how any police officer can have that attitude is beyond me I'm sure there are police officers out there that don't have that attitude Um, but unfortunately I haven't met any yet now in the following months I made a lot of effort to um, push the police into um, finding the people that had committed this crime. Um, they were I eventually identified. However, they were not prosecuted um, and nothing ever came of it. We, uh, or the police, I say we, the police know the identification of the people that did it. Um, they were spoken to. There was not enough evidence to take it any further and nothing came of that. Um, so they actually did their job better than the police, to be fair. Um, but in the coming months, I made quite a fuss um, with regards to the fact that this crime hadn't been followed up enough. There hadn't been enough effort put into the criminals and more effort put into myself. Uh, and this really goes to, to show you how inept um, the police are and the lack of communication that there is from um, the general police officers and indeed, right up to the chief inspector because I went on BBC radio um, some months after and um, that interview can be found actually on my YouTube channel. I went on the radio and spoke to uh, a very senior um, police officer at Sussex and um, they're very good at paying lip service. During um, the interview, he was asked if any arrests have been made. Now, what the presenter was obviously um, alluring to was had the bad guys been caught. Uh, and he had no idea. All he, all he could say was, is that we're you know, we're kind of pleased to announce that a, a 55-year-old man was arrested in connection, blah, blah, blah. Well, that 55-year-old man was me. He, you know, he's trying to convince the public on the radio that the police had made an arrest um, in connection with this violent, horrible robbery in this sleepy little town East Grinstead. Um, when in fact... Uh, I don't think he knew it was me. He All he had was a piece of paper in front of him that said one arrest made. Um, and that's the bottom line. This is the bottom line with the police. You see, what they need is that what their st- statistics showed, what the crime stats showed, is that an armed robbery took place in East Grinstead. And what they needed next to the box on that document was a tick next to any arrest made. Um, and if that body was mine, so be it. Now if you think that's a horror story, I've got two more to come and uh, one of them is even better than the one I've just told you. So you're in for uh, more shocks and surprises about our wonderful police services. Now some weeks later, after this um, event had uh, taken place, my wife and I were standing inside uh, my shop and uh, we had a security buzzer, and intercom. Um, and uh, two police officers, two police women actually, walked up um, along the parade, and they both stopped outside my shop and were looking in my shop window. Uh, and I said to my wife, "I'm going to listen to what they're saying." So I picked up the phone to the intercom, and I was listening to the conversation that took place. And my wife could also hear it because it was quite loud. And um, one of the police women, we heard them say oh, look at the stuff he's got in his window there. No wonder he got robbed. And the other one said, yeah, he deserved it. Now, look, I'm going to give her the benefit of the doubt and say that was a flippant remark. And deep down, she probably didn't mean it. But can you imagine the uh, the feeling of a knife, a knife pin stuck into my heart once again? Um... Not by the bad guys, by the police and and anyone that I've spoken to since my robberies, anyone that's spoken to me about my robberies, um, they'll tell you that I've told everyone the same thing. You know when I go to bed at night and if I have trouble sleeping it's not about the bad guys because um, they actually did their job, I don't approve of their job. Um, I don't admire their job, Um, I don't admire them as people, but they did their job, everyone goes to work to do a job, and if that's their chosen profession, that's their life choice. The people that stop me from sleeping at night are the police, who let my family down, not on one occasion, not on two occasions, not on three occasions, but on four occasions, Um, and that's what really hurts.